Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. Well, today we're we're starting off a new series called Fearless. Everybody say fearless. Amen. Popular movie that came out in the 1980s. Amen. Y'all remember Ghostbusters? I ain't afraid of no ghosts. They were fearless. Amen. And God wants us to be fearless. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks, next four or five weeks, dealing with this whole topic of fear because I believe that this is one really demon spirit, to be honest with you, that has really captivated the hearts of believers all over the world that keeps us from rising up, that keeps us from doing that what God has called us to do, that causes us to operate in a spirit of mediocrity, never excelling, never achieving, never progressing because of this very demon spirit called fear. And so we're going to be talking about different characters from the Word of God and see their story and understand how they overcame the spirit of fear. The Bible lets us know that God has not given us the spirit of fear. See, the word of God identified is that it is a spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound Mine. I better read that again. God has not given us. We should sing a song. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given unto us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. Y'all remember that, huh? That's old school. That's that's storefront church. Y'all know about that. Amen. Power, love, and a sound mind. Today we're going to talk about Gideon from the book of Judges. We're going to talk about how Gideon overcame the spirit of fear. Amen. And I believe that, like you and I, we can identify in our lives and pinpoint a situation or circumstance in our lives where we have dealt with the spirit of fear the way Gideon dealt with it. And we're going to see how God caused him to overcome it and how we can overcome today. Amen. Father, bless this word. Let it go forth in power and in might. Speak to the very core, heart, souls of your people today. You know what they need to hear, Father God. I pray that you'll meet their needs today. They will not leave this place the same way they came in the name of Jesus. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my Redeemer and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. The Bible says in Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, here we are. We have the children of Israelites. Amen. They're occupying the land that God promised them. They're occupying the land. But when they got to the land, they forgot about God. Isn't that something where sometimes when we get the blessing, we forget about God? Here they are, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, amen? The first generation died up, a new generation we call the Joshua generation arose up, and they went into the land, the Canaan land, amen? They crossed the Jordan, went to Canaan land. Um, Joshua died, so God began to, to raise up judges. There's about 13 judges, and here we have 
getting who God was raising up as a judge over this nation. Amen. And but the Israelites will go through these seasons where one generation will remember God, turn to God, repent, get it right. Next generation will rise up and do wicked things. And this cycle would just keep going on and on and on and on. So here was a season when the Israelites were being totally disobedient to God. They're worshiping idols. There wasn't serving the Lord. It wasn't giving him the first fruits. They were sacrificing all sorts of things to other gods and other deities. They wasn't trusting in God. And when God blessed them, they forgot all about what God had done. So what God did, he said, I'm going to give you over to your enemy because I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to teach you how to depend on me. And so the Bible says that for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the power, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. These people were so oppressed that they couldn't even live in their own home. They went into the mountains to hide, to survive. They hid on hills. They hid in caves. Reminds me of, 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 of the catacombs where the first Christians begin to hide and, and separate themselves because they couldn't live in society freely. Reminds me of the Taliban today hiding in caves for civilization. They were hiding because it was so oppressive. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where, Lord, this is just too much. I need to take a break. I need to hide somewhere. Come on. Some of us hide from church sometimes. Lord, I need a break. <laughs> we hide from work. I ain't going to work today. It's a little bit too oppressive. I, I need to hide. Sometimes relatives come, they call us on the phone. Okay, you're going to voicemail right now. I can't deal with that right now. It's just too oppressive. I got to let you just chill for a second. Amen? So they were under this oppression. We read in verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Absrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, this just lets you know how bad it was. Now, normally when you would do a, a, a threshing of wheat, you would go to the threshing floor. There was a place called the threshing floor where actually they would beat the wheat in the threshold and they would beat the wheat and it would separate the wheat from the tear. That's why there's a spiritual picture that we get there that when we go before God in prayer, many people call that the threshing floor. There's a popular book that came out a number of years ago by Ronnie Bottom called The Threshing Floor. And she spoke about the threshing floor being the place of prayer. It's where God begins to separate the wheat from the tear in our lives. We talk about the whole concept of us dying daily to ourselves. Those are the tears in our life. But when we come before God and pray, it's the separation of the wheat and of the tear. And so he was threshing wheat, not on the threshing floor, but he was threshing wheat. He was hiding the wheat in a wine press. So that's how bad they were oppressed, that he wasn't even using the proper instruments or the proper things that they had at that time to operate even the very wine, the very wheat that they had in their possession because of the oppression of the Midianites. This man was fearful. This man was scared. The Bible says 
When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, when I read this, I'm like, God, you must got it wrong because Gideon was not no mighty warrior. Because Gideon was afraid, hiding his, 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 his wheat in a wine press <laughs> in his father's land. He wasn't bold. If he was such a mighty warrior that he would just been out and open, I'm going to the, I'm going to the threshing floor to thresh my wheat. I don't care who sees me because I'm a mighty warrior. But this man was scared. This man was full of fear. This man was full of intimidation. This was Gideon, God's mighty warrior. I wonder if God is talking to you today that he's calling you Gideon, his mighty warrior. And you say, oh, Lord, me? (laughs) Surely can't be. (laughs) But God is calling us this morning to be mighty warriors for him. Gideon was full of not just fear, but the fear was the root that caused all sorts of insecurities to rise up within him. And so let's talk momentarily about Gideon's insecurities. Number one, Gideon was afraid God wasn't faithful. How can you say that, Pastor? Well, let's read the text. Judges chapter 6, verse 13 says, But, sir, see the problem, we'll get our butts in the way. But, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? If God is with me, I'm so-called mighty warrior, then why is this happening to us? He was doubting the faithfulness of God. When God speaks, you listen. Stop asking God a thousand one questions. That was Moses' problem. But Lord, I can't. And but Lord this. And but Lord this. And but so God got angry with Moses and said, Boy. How many times we ask God a thousand one questions? We try to bargain with God. But Lord, I really don't want to do that. When God called me to ministry, I'm like, Lord, now, I don't want to be no pastor. Okay, I could deal with the preaching thing because I knew that since I was about 16 years old. You called me to preach. I remember Pastor Echo me you at all night prayer at Bethel. God spoke to me about 3 o'clock in the morning. He said, I called you to preach. I told Pastor Echo, Pastor Echo said, I had a vision while I was praying for you, and I saw you preaching the gospel. I said, you did? He said, yeah. I said, God told me so now I was called to preach. I was about 16 years old. I said, okay, I can deal with that. Okay, that could be later down a lot. That's got to be right now. It could be later. Not right now, Lord, not right now. She said, I could deal with that. And I said, okay, I'll be like an evangelist because I can hit it and just leave. Hit and run, hit and run, hit and run. I don't have to deal with no people. I, don't have to, you know, I, don't have, I just don't got the patience, Lord. I just don't want that. Hit and run. I'll be the prophet. I'll go speak thus saith the Lord and just go to the next place. That's what I want. That's how I wanted it. That was my plan. I said that maybe later on, probably like in my 40s, you know, early 50s, and maybe, you know, I'll be like an associate pastor in a church. But, you know, the plan was, Edgar was always going to be the senior pastor. It wasn't going to be me. I said, I'll support you. You be the senior pastor. And then, you know, I'll just be, I'll be, I'll be your secondhand man. I never wanted to be, he could tell you, I never wanted to be the senior pastor. That was never in my plan. But God, <laughs> and some of you are in places where you said, Lord, I'm never in the world. So myself doing what I'm doing. But God. But God, he was full of insecurities. He's doubted God's faithfulness. When I questioned the Lord, I doubted God's faithfulness. God, if I'm in this situation, then why is such and such happening to me? 
And many times as Christians, we ask ourselves this very same question. We ask God these very same questions. Why is this happening, God? If you're so good, why is there so much evil in the world? If you're so good, then how come I'm going through so much pain? If you're such a, a wonderful God, then how come my experience right now feels so horrible? Good, honest questions. Good, honest questions. But the root of it, we were doubting God's faithfulness. That even when it's all hurt and pain and turmoil around us, we can still hold God faithful to his word. The Bible says he cannot lie. That what he speaks shall come to pass. Gideon was full of doubts, full of insecurities. He doubted God's faithfulness. Number two, Gideon was afraid he wasn't good enough. Oh my God, I could stay on that topic for hours. Because that is my battle until this day. Lord, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Can I really? I don't have the credentials like others. I can, and you just, fit, you just focus the whole time on yourself. I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I can't do that, and I can't do that. When I was born, I was born with a speech impediment. I stutter really bad. Praise the Lord. That's how I used to talk when I was younger. I could identify with Moses. I was stutter. The movie that just came out, the King's Speech, I understand. Poor King George, I understand. But brother, I understand. He said, but Lord, here's his butt again, here's his butt out the way. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I, <laughs> here go I again, how can I, God didn't say you was going to do, he said he was going to do, how can I save Israel, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. How many of you ever felt like that? I'm the least in my family. I'm the least on the block. I don't got when all those folk die. How can I be of any service to you? That's how I felt. How can I be of any service to you? See, when I just got saved, I was just happy to be in that number. My family was not walking with the Lord. See, back, 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 back when I, came, when I accepted Christ in my life, you know, I came to church. I was part of the youth ministry. You know, I had Bethel and everything. A lot of my other peers came because their parents dragged them there. They said, boy, so you 18, you live on my roof, you going to church. I want to hear it. And they had to go to church. But I was going to church because my, my parents were going, I was going to church because I wanted to go to church. I was glad to be in that number. I was glad to be a, a part of something that was bigger than I. I. I was just happy just to be there. I didn't have to do much. Let me just stand on the wall. Let me just warm a, just, me just warm a spot right here. I'm like, David, I, if I could just be a doorkeeper in the house of God, I'll just be happy just where I am, Jesus. I'm just happy to be saved. I'm just happy that I'm not going to hell. Thank you, Lord. See, we, 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 we get so saved so deep, we forget just to be happy just to be saved. So the mothers just come out and say songs, I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. So we don't say stuff like that. We got to talk about all this deep stuff. I'm just happy to be saved. When the saints go marching in, I, I'm so glad just to be in that number. That's all I wanted. But when God began to talk about this ministry stuff, I said, nah, 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 God, hold it. Woo, pause, mute. Try to break. We ain't going that far now. <laughs> I 
We can't go that far. We can't, mm -mm, mm -mm, I, I don't know. We can't go that far. I remember the Lord, when we first, when I first got married, the Lord said, okay, I'm going to give you a year. But you got to go. Your ministry is going to take off once you get married. If you keep telling me that, I'm like, nah, uh-uh, uh-uh, I can't, I can't. No, no, I'm not good enough, God. No, I don't have this, I don't have that. And so many times we focus on ourselves. And the thing is, and, and let me tell you what makes it worse. You compare yourself with everybody else. Don't do that, brothers and sisters. When you start comparing yourself, you will instantly disqualify yourself. I don't got that degree. I don't got that training. I didn't come from that. My parents are not like that. My father's not like that. Actually, that's, I don't got this. And you would just disqualify. You would paint a picture and exit yourself out the equation altogether. Because you're comparing yourself to other people. Your journey is your journey. Don't compare it to anybody else. So what? You didn't get mad at 23. So what? You got mad at 43. Praise the Lord. It's God's timing. So what? The first marriage didn't work out. You're not like everybody else. Your journey is different. And you have to understand that. That God has a, a specialized journey just for you. It's to teach you the life, left, life lessons that he wants to teach you so you could be a blessing to somebody else. It's not about you anyway. And that's the conclusion I had to come to. That's the fear that I had to overcome. That Arthur, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about you sharing your life with other people. Getting was, say, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm the least. I thought I was the least in my family. I'm the least. Don't even know who my father is. I, I'm the least. Don't even know this. I'm, I'm the least. Nah, they treat my sister better than I do. I, I'm the least. I'm the least. I, I'm the outcast. I'm the black sheep of my family. I'm the least. And I was. I can tell you, I was. I was the awkward one. <laughs> Some of you are the awkward one of your family. You just march to the beat of a different drum. And that's okay. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? You're not meant to be like everybody else. So what? You don't got the machismo like your father had it. So what? So what? You don't got the shape like your mama had it. So what? You're different. And it's okay to be different. Bible says we are a holy generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. You are different. God has called you to be different. And you have to embrace who you are today. Question I have for us today, what has fear kept you from doing that God is calling you to do? Getting had to face his stuff. What has fear kept you from doing that God is calling you to do? What is holding you back? Combating times, oh, it's the devil, it's the devil, it's the devil. God has not given us the spirit of fear. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's me, it's me, it's me. The devil just gets walking our life. We allow him to stay there. He has no power over us. The power of sin and death has been broken. Because there is therefore no combination for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the devil can't just walk up in your face and be like, what, 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 what? Because I'll be like, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. The only way he's able to stay there is if you allow him to stay there. 
Only way he's able to operate if you allow him to operate. What does fear keep you from doing? What is fear keeping you from doing? God has great things to sort of what is fear keeping you from doing? I know God put this in my heart, but I don't know if it's the right time to do it. What is fear keeping you from doing? Mary told the disciples, whatever he say unto you, just do it. So they probably like to think twice and thrice and just keep on thinking. And I will think I feel right out of the will of God. And they won't ask everybody, what do you think? What do you think? Now, yes, there is safety in the multitude of counsel. But if you've been talking about the same thing for 20 years, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> Come on, you know we're guilty. What do you think? What do we think? How many, how many pastors you need to go to? How many people you need to tell? What do you think? What does God think? What are you doing? Time is waiting for no one. We're one step closer, one second closer, one minute closer, one breath closer to the end. Think about it. We grow closer to the grave or to the rapture every day, every minute, every second, every nanosecond, every breath, closer. It don't wait, time don't wait for nobody. And some of us, we wait years, years. When I go back home to my home church many times, I look, and I look at people who came into the Lord the same time I came into the Lord. And we would talk and we pray and encourage, brother, one day we're going to be great. We're going to do great things for our God. And here I am pastoring where they are. Still there. They're just singing in the choir. Still there. Just in the pew, warming the seat. Here we are. We're going to do great things for God. Yes, and God's going to use you. It's going to use you. We're going to be, we're going to be great men. And what they doing? Still there. Still, what my sister do? Oh, God called me to the mission field. Still there. Still they move. Still there. Still there. God is not calling us to operate in fear. If it's going to do great, that's why the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. You know how you get yourself chosen? You just do, you be obedient to what God is saying. That's the difference between the chosen and the call. Everybody's called. Everybody's called to do great things. You want to get chosen? How do you get chosen? You raise your hand. Teacher, pick me. Pick me. I'll do it. I'll be obedient. What do you want me to do? Okay, you do it. What, what's the answer? What's the answer, Deborah? What's the answer, Edgar? What's the answer? That's how you get chosen. When you come in the classroom, everybody's trying to get to the same destination. Everybody wants to pass the class and go to the next grade. But it's only those who excel and do well. Those are the people that get passed on. And the people who don't pass the test, guess what they do? They get held back. There's no social promotion in God. <laughs> what is fear keeping you from doing, my brothers and sisters? When I think about Gideon, I think about God using an unsure, insecure, fearful person to do the impossible. When I think about Gideon, he's using an unsure, that's us, insecure, that's us, fearful person to do the impossible. That's what Gideon really represents. 
God wants us to understand this man of God, his life, how God transformed him. We talk about, when I think about the Lord, he took me from the guttermost to the uttermost. How do we get to that place? We allow God's truth to transform us. We go through a transformation. We go through the renewing of our mind. That's how you change the way you think about something. You renew your mind about it. Her one minister says, sin is just believing a lie. Sin is just believing a lie is the truth. That's really what it is. We have to renew our minds to think of God's truth, who I call God's Gideon truths. Let's just talk about these two things and I'll be out your way. Let's talk about God. Let's talk about the Gideon truths that God brings us from his story, from this account and judges. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in the strength you have. In other words, you have something. (laughs) Go in the strength you have. That's what verse 14 says. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? With God, his strength through your weakness, is exactly enough. That's the point. With God, his strength through your weakness is exactly enough. God is saying to us, we have strength today. Go with the strength that you do have. See, the problem is we focus on what we don't have, but you do have something. God would have called you to the table if you didn't have nothing. That's why in the business sector, where you network, you don't network if you don't got nothing to give to the network. Because then you become a leech. (laughs) You become what we call a server. (laughs) I'm getting stuff from you, but I'm not giving anything back. Is that what a server does? When we have a network... It's an even distribution. I'm giving, you getting. We're getting, we're giving. Back and forth. That's what it's about. You have something to give. Go in the strength you have. Save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? The Lord answered, verse 16, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. God has given him a promise. He's given him something to hold on to. When God calls you, he will give you a promise. He will give you something to hold on to. What has God spoken to you today? Are you holding on to that promise? Are you claiming what he has spoken today? This promise is that I'm believing God for my life. I'm believing God for, for, for my family. I'm believing God for this ministry, for this church. There's promises I'm holding on to. I've not yet seen the manifestation of all of them, but I'm holding on. I'm daring to trust Him. I'm daring to believe in Him. Because I know the work that He started, He will complete it. He will fulfill His word to me because He is not a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. But He ain't going to lie. As long as I'm doing what i got to do. He'll do what he has to do. You need his strength today. His strength is enough. We sing the song, your grace is enough. The grace is the strength of God. It, it, 
it is his unmerited favor. The favor that you do not deserve. That's what grace is. It's his favor. It's him looking kindly upon you. Even though you did wrong. Come on, you know you did wrong, especially the little girl. And you go, Mommy. And you bat them cute eyes. And you make that little face. She goes, Oh, baby. Okay. It's all right. Just look graciously upon you. That's grace. But we don't have to swarm and, and manipulate God. We don't have to do that. We can say, God, here I am, a sinner. So you know how to get the grace of God? You humble yourself. <laughs> you say, Lord, I know I messed up. I know I done wrong. Forgive me. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit with it be. Don't cast me away from your presence, Lord. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me, but restore me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. With God's strength, you have enough. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian to your hands. It's going to chapter 7, verse 2. You cannot depend on your own strength to get you where you're going. You have strength to start the journey, but if you had the strength to complete the whole journey by yourself, you wouldn't need God. You have enough to get you in the right direction, but you need something supernatural to get you all the way there. And this is what some of you are falling off at, because you said, okay, I passed that part, okay, I went with the strength I have, but I'm getting kind of tired now. Okay, I'm, I'm believing the Lord, but I'm getting tired. Why? What, what happened? You haven't transitioned your strength yet. You're still on you right now. You're still trying to do it your way. You haven't transitioned and said, Lord, okay, I got what I have. I have this. I'm going to trust you. But then there has to come a point where you transition from your strength to his strength. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. The reason God was telling Gideon, I, I, you have too many people, because if you guys win this war, you're going to think, oh, God did it. It wasn't God. See, when God does the impossible, he paints all the other odds. He takes it all out the picture. Ain't no way no one can say that nobody but God did it. And I find myself in many places where I say I'm in positions now that nobody but God has put me here. No one can say, oh, I got Arthur there. Oh, yeah, I hooked him up. I networked. I rubbed. I smooshed his little elbows. And hey, I got him in the door. He going to thank me one day. Yes, he owed me big time. Ain't no one can say that. I'm standing here today because of God. I know it's God because it's not me. If it was me, I'd be hiding in the pew sitting right where you sitting, sister. Say, preach, pastor, I can preach. Because <laughs> this was not Arthur's plan. But God has a perfect plan. And we, if you don't transition from your strength to his strength, you fall weary, you get tired, and you get burnt. Burnout is very dangerous for a believer. It's very dangerous for a believer. If you don't take time to renew yourself, to refresh yourself, and rely on the strength that God has given you through the power of the Holy Spirit, you won't accomplish anything. You'll constantly get burned out. You'll get frustrated. After you get frustrated for a while, you get bitter. And next thing you know, you hate God and you hate the church. 
a lot of people out there like that. I went to a wedding yesterday. A good friend of mine got married yesterday. I went to the wedding. A lot of young people that I grew up with, a lot of them are not even walking with the Lord. They had babies already, but not married. They're shacking up, not married. They're just fed up. They'll come for special events. They'll come and praise the Lord. They'll come and love God. But they, they, they won't, they, that's the first they'll come. Because they're fed up. They got hurt. They didn't transition from their strength to God's strength. Nobody taught them how. Nobody gave them the word. They didn't receive the word. God is challenging us today to trust him. Take on his strength. When you are weak, you have to acknowledge that you are weak. Especially for us strong folk. But we don't want no one to know that we weak. We got to put on our poker face and we got together. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I'm blessing the holy fear of the Lord, Pastor. I'm all right. I'm all right. How you doing, sister? Well, praise the Lord. I'm all right. God is good. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. But we don't acknowledge when we're weak. And then something happens like, how come, brother, you didn't tell me? Come see, you tell me. Well, well, I, I, I thought I had it. I thought I had it myself. I was I, 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 I was I. And that's what we do. You stop coming to, you stop, they stop coming to church for two or three, four weeks, five weeks, months, years. Like, what happened? I thought you was blessed and honey. What happened? Well, 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 you know what had happened was, you know, you know, I was going through in my house. My wife was, you know. Well, why you didn't tell nobody? Because you have not transitioned from your strength to his strength. You have acknowledged your weakness. Paul said, I boast in my weakness. Now, Paul said, I can boast in my strength. I'm the top. I'm the cream of the crop. I'm the creme de la clam. I am the man. Okay? I got, it, I got all the degrees. I got it down. I'm a Roman. I got it down. You know who I am. But he said, I count that stuff as dung that I might know him. He said, I will boast in my weakness. I'll let you know how jacked up, how stink, how disgusting, how often I miss the mark just that I might know him. Because the more I'm weak, the more he's strong. His grace is sufficient for me. It's all that I need. And see, as Christians, we tell we have to keep our poker face. We have to put our, our church mask on. But we're not, we're, we're, it's fear. It's fear because if I tell them how I'm really doing, you know, you know, then I won't look spiritual. I won't look like a Christian. I'll look like, like someone from the world. And, you know, maybe they think I should be for the long I am in my walk, but I'm not. And, you know, so I got to keep my face on. Going to church, or if I tell them my business, they're going to talk about me, and you know they're going to preach about me. They're going to be whispering, and then the first day that the first time I don't show up, they think I'm the back out in the world. So you know, I don't want no one to know that you know that I deal with that. I hit the bottle every now and then. I take a little, little puff puff. I don't want no, no I don't want no one to know about that. No, 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 no. And we hide these things. Got a little lust problem, a little porno problem. I, you know, I got a little gossip in problem, I got a little envious problem, I got a little anger issue. I smile, but you don't you step on my toe. Don't be looking like that's your chair. Okay? 
Because I'll cut you right in church on the DL. I can give a look, and you know back up. And that's the type of attitude we have. The type of attitude we have. You know? Ask the brother, says, how you doing? I'm doing good. So I, well, what's you, interview me? What? Or you want to know all my business? What? How's work? How's this? None of your business. That's the type of attitude we have towards each other. We don't want to let nobody in. The root of that is fear. You're scared to be vulnerable. Well, I can't just find a man. I can't, you can't find a man because you ain't going to be vulnerable. That's why you're still sitting here single in the church. You can't, come on. Did I just go there? Let me, let me behave myself. Let me behave myself. This is not February. This is not the relationship message series. I say that for next year. Amen. Praise the Lord. Behave myself. Amen. It's the truth, though, right? <laughs> no fear. I'm, re- I'm delivered right now in the name of Jesus. No fear. I ain't afraid of no ghost. Amen. So with God, with God, his strength through your weakness is exactly enough. And finally, with God, the way forward is often backwards. The way forward is often backwards. The Bible says in Judges chapter 7, verse 2, In order that Israel may not boast against me, that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 20,000 men left while 10,000 people remained. And if you keep on reading... Then another couple thousand people left and it was only down to 300 people. They got their resources, their artillery together. They were ready to take the mountain. But God says, you're too powerful. First of all, he went from a place being too weak. Lord, who am I? I'm the least. I have nobody. I'm, I'm, I, I, who, me? No. And he goes from that. He gathers 20 plus thousand people. So now he's like, boom, what? We got this. We got this. We're going to take the men out down. We're going to cast them down. They, they, they cannot stand against us. We're going to eat them like cookies. Cookies. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna crumb them down. And God said, hold it. Wait, 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 wait. You're too powerful. You're too full of yourself. I need to break this thing. You got to go backwards now. Now you got to go back to being least. So I can show my power. I can show my glory. Have you been in that place where God added to you? You got all your resources together. I'm a networker. This is my gift. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to call this one. And we're going to work it together. And that's how we're going to do it. And God said, don't call that person. Leave that one alone. And I'm shutting that door. Now what? Now what? I've been there. Like, Lord, I'm going to use my skills, you know, to advance me, Lord, you know. God said, no, no, no. Well, I could call this pastor. I could be a little preaching engagements, little gigs on the side. I can go here. I can go there. In a couple years, amen, they'll be invite me to come to the potter's house. Yes. Oh, yes. Be on my way. And God said, no, 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 no. You're going to get there my way. 
not your way. Don't get there my way. Not your way. But Lord, no one calling. Okay, I'm calling. Answer me. So all of a sudden, last, what, last October, I get a call from a pastor. Pastor, I was praying. And the Lord picked you in front of my face. Can you come preach at our regional men's conference? I said, what? I said, okay. God said, that's just time to go. See, God will do it. Might not come the way we want it. It might seem sporadic, far, wide, and in between. But he's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. Sometimes, if you be honest, you're really not ready. Sometimes I look back and say, man, I wasn't ready. Then I thought I was. I was so confident. But confident in what? I wasn't confident in the Lord. I was confident in myself. Thank you, Lord, for not allowing me to do that because your gifting could, keep, could take you there, but your character won't keep you there. And sometimes God needs to work on your character because your character is shot, you know? So sometimes God is, God is saving you the embarrassment and the embarrassment of his kingdom and his name from releasing you to go to a position, to another place, another platform, because your character will not keep you there. Your gift, your, your charisma, you got all that stuff. It sounds good, looks good. You, you're good on paper. You're good at, on an interview. But when it comes time to actually do the work from day to day, to day to day, can you uphold it? Can you keep what you're professing? And I had to be honest with myself. I said, Lord, I, I, no. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm burned. I'm tired. Uh-uh, so you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. And so he has to process you. He has to give you the stamina. He has to give you the grace that's needed to handle. That's why you can't just walk into marriage. You need grace for marriage. My wife has grace for Arthur Shadwick. And I have grace for Alverna Shadwick. Amen? You married me, you might not like me too well. You might not be able to call me Pastor Shadwick next Sunday. My like, what's up, Arthur? I don't know, you know, Pastor. My wife has grace for me. Amen? See, what God joins us is when he gives you grace for that person. Amen? All of their deficits, all of their quarks, all of their issues, it's grace. For the halitosis you smell in the morning, it's grace. But they stink attitude every 28 days. It's grace. He gives you grace for them. And wives, for your husband that you ask, how was your day? Just leave me alone right now. I'm watching television. He gives you grace. I just want some long time. Don't bother me, honey. Just go, I love you too. All right. Grace. The game is over right now. Hold on. We're going to do that like great. Grace. He gives you grace. Honey, when you coming home? Woman, stop calling me. Don't you think I want to be home? I got work to do. He gives you grace. Grace. I don't know why I went there, but grace. Everything you do in your spiritual life, and that's life, period, you need God's grace to do it. If you're struggling and you're constantly feeling burnt out and tired, you have to ask yourself, have I been given the grace to do this? Have I been? Sometimes you're on a job and you know it ain't the job. You're trying to just hold on because you're like, Lord, you've got to pay the bills. I really don't got the grace for this thing. But Lord, give me something I have the grace for. Or give me grace. Give me your grace, God, to get through this thing. Sometimes to move forward, you've got to move backwards. 
the Bible says, the reason why he sent these men back is because these men were fearful. Fearful. He said, if you're afraid, get out of here. We don't need fear. Fear is contagious. I have a friend now. His wife is terrified of mice. It's so bad. It's so bad that when he goes to work, his wife has a coldest storm that she keeps in the bed with her sometimes. Because if she sees the mice in the bedroom, she's going to call someone from help, but she's not going to be coming out the bed. That's my fear for you. They had a child. Because the child was, was, was faced by no mice, all of a sudden they saw the mama getting scared, and all of a sudden the child is like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Contagious. Fear is contagious. Fear will paralyze you. Will paralyze you. When I was young, I had to, to be scared to turn off the light. I had to have a little nightlight in my room. I was, because, you know, I used to think about Freddy Krueger. Don't laugh at me, because you know some of y'all think about Freddy Krueger, too. Okay, and Jason. And then don't forget Chucky. Chucky. You'll be afraid. You be, you be thinking he in the closet, he's under your bed. You see the tree branch move by your window like a knife stabbing. You're like, oh my God. Fear. The ca- oh, cabbage patch dog. The Smurfs. Man, the Smurfs dog, you look scary in the dark, man. Oh my God. And you just be so paralyzed with fear. Look, I need a nightlight. I got to see everything. Come on. Some of you, some of you, some of you grown people, you're still afraid of the dark, if you be honest. You still keep a nightlight on the kitchen. You still have a nightlight in the bathroom just in case. And if, you ain't, and, 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 and if you're mad and your spouse not there, you'd be like, Lord Jesus, all right. See, with all the lights on. Come on. Be real. You know. <laughs> Give a grace. Give a grace. <laughs> but we need God's grace to overcome fear. Fear was holding back Gideon, but he had to conquer his fear. And God wants us to conquer our fear today. Let's stand. What is fear keeping you from doing for God? Fear will cause you not to advance. You cannot allow the spirit of fear to stop you. But like God's power, his love, and the soundness of the mind of Christ to lead you. God is with you this morning. I'm here to encourage you to let you know that you are not by yourself. He is with you. And there's no need to fear. God wants us to be fearless. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. We thank you for this time in your word, Father. We thank you. Oh, God, that you are challenging us to come against the spirit of fear. The very thing that we have allowed to eat at us. The very thing that we have allowed to paralyze us in the different areas of our lives. And first we repent, Lord. We ask for forgiveness today. That you will wash us in the blood of Jesus. That you will cleanse us, Lord God, from all unrighteousness. And right now we renounce the spirit of fear. 
the very thing that has held us back, the insecurities, the trepidations, the idiosyncrasies, the very things that have paralyzed us in this life, issues from childhood, things that mama said to us, papa said to us, classmates said to us, oh God, old relationships, people in other relationships have said to us, God, issues, complexes, inferiority complexes, things that we have taken on that have caused us not to excel, God, we pull those things off of our lives today. Oh God, I'm asking that you would, oh God, deliver us today. If that's you, just lift your hand before the Lord right now. I want to pray. Lord, release us. Release us from fear. Release us from trepidations. Release us from insecurities. Release us, oh God, for, for, for comparing ourselves with others. Oh God, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us for not looking to you. Forgive us for, for allowing, to look for us looking down on ourselves, thinking that we're not that much, that we are insignificant. But we bind that spirit of insignificance in the name of Jesus. Oh God, you have made us great because you are great. And greatness lives within us. And so, Father, I pray that that greatness will rise up in us through the power of your Holy Spirit today. And whatever has kept us back, oh God, us comparing ourselves to our colleagues, to our contemporaries, God. Oh God, to other generations in the past to see what they've done and we feel like we're not doing anything, God. Father God, we renounce that stuff. We don't have to prove ourselves to anybody. We don't have to prove ourselves to anybody, not even to our parents that we love them, God. But we're living for you. And you alone. So let that insecurity, let that fear drop now to the ground. Holy Spirit, by your all-consuming fire, you are all-consuming fire. Burn it up in our lives right now. Touch the minds right now of every believer in this room who has their hands raised right now. Burn out the memories that have been seared in their minds. Oh God, with that fear, oh God, has been allowed to grow and take root. Burn up the root of fear. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, I pray even now that you would deliver us right now from that spirit, God. Insecurities, Lord. Oh God, we don't have the proper shape. We don't look, we don't, we don't line up. God, we renounce that in the name of Jesus. I renounce it in the name of Jesus, God. Father God, we're not going to allow the spirit of fear to hold us captive. We're coming out of it, God. We're coming out of it step by step. We are coming out of this thing. We declare it and decree it done now. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. 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 God, we're standing on Christ, our solid rock. Where all else fails, we can stand on Christ. In Christ alone. It's in you alone, God. So, Father, we worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.